You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. I'm always always glad when people clap first. (laughs) Because I'm never guaranteed that they clap afterwards. (laughs) Now, Mr. Cornford. It's all right. What are you going to do about the people who can't afford a tenner to go on the course? You'll let them on anyway. If you can't afford a tenner, just don't be proud. Just go to this guy and tell him that. I have a great passion for people who can't afford money, and I'll tell you why. Because my mother had 13 children, buried three and brought up 10. I'm number 10, and I lived my life without money for years and years, so I really feel for people who haven't got money. And, uh, if you, but I, I, what I had to learn was just be honest about it. So if you can't afford to go on it, give up your fish and chips. No, you meant to laugh at that. And, uh, anyway, I wanted to start off in this way. First of all, it's just brilliant being here. Lovely to be in the worship, watching these prisoners and the girl who's singing alto. You're singing alto, isn't it? Do you sing alto? Well, I don't know. Well, you're not singing soprano. And it, it sounded very good. And I was delighted to see the children hustling because we need that, don't we? Breed them in and bring them in. Right? If you can't save them, breed them. <laughs> right? Doesn't worry me. But, uh, and pray for the day that there'll be chaos because of so many children. Because that's going to be so many families. It'll be so exciting. So brilliant to see this. How long have you been going? Just over a year. Just fantastic. And there's a world of people out there, they just need Jesus. They need God, they need the Holy Spirit. Let there be no uncertainties that whilst we live in a nation that seems to be increasingly secular, actually it's increasingly desperate. One or two of you said hello from other churches. Can't remember your names. Please Forgive me. Be merciful to me. I'm 74. I can't remember the first time I ever kissed my wife before. She was my wife. Her name is Maureen. She's known as Mo for short, and I called her Jennifer. Got <laughs> <laughs> it through. So it was in my bloodstream at the time. But she, she so thought I was so wonderful, she married me anyway. <laughs> it's terrible. She's not here, so I can just have a little brag in her absence. <laughs> Now, I've asked um, Pete. (laughs) (laughs) It's wonderful. As you get older and names escape you, people think you're joking. So just (laughs) you. I've asked Pete to do that when I've got five minutes left. I probably won't see him because my eyes are going as well. (laughs) And uh, when I'm preaching, I just forget the time. But we'll uh, go for it. I wanted to start off, and I'm going to say this now, Good morning, fellow sinners. Because we're all sinners. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. There are two groups of sinners. Saved sinners and unsaved sinners. We're all sinners. And I think of what, what uh, Pete was saying about me. I'm thinking, oh God, keep my feet on the ground. I'm a saved sinner. I'm a baptized in the Holy Spirit sinner. I'm a baptized in water sinner, but I am a sinner. I'm still being made and shaped. I'm certainly born again, but I'm still growing. 
And those of you who are unsaved sinners, just believe in Jesus. I beg you to believe in Jesus. Jesus can change your life, will change your life, and he will sustain you. The Bible says, uh, he who began a good work in you will keep it going to the day of Jesus Christ. Because people say to me, I could never do it because I can never keep it going. I think if only you would believe that. God will do it, and God will keep you going. Now, I haven't started preaching yet, so don't time me. <clears throat> I want to tell you a, an incident that I read in the Bible. I think I asked Pete, could I come here and preach? I think that was true, wasn't it? I don't often do that. I've done it twice in the last six months or so, and I'll tell you why. Way back, it was September the 9th, I'm an early riser. Drives my wife mad. She says, for goodness sake, get up. I'm moving around in the bed about four o'clock in the morning. She says, please get out of bed. So I get up and have a little routine. And then I read the Bible. And not, I don't know to read the Bible, but I was going through one of the, you know, reading the Bible is like that. You, you can read as if you think, why, I, why do I ever stop reading it? I was in that phase. I was reading right through the Bible in one go, not one sitting, but, and I'd come to a particular book in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not telling you what it is, and I don't want you to shout out, because if you shout it out and ruin it, my sermon, I'll just come and get you where you are. <laughs> <coughs> and I shall do it emphatically in Jesus' name. And you sorry you ever blurted it out, said so don't say anything. But I, I came to this incident in the Bible. As I read it, I thought, I've never read this before. I've, I've never, I don't ever recall it. It wasn't that I, 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 I don't even remember it. It wasn't that I'd forgotten it. And I'm certain I'd never, ever heard anybody preaching it. And as the incident I was reading unfolded, I felt the Spirit of God say to me, preach it wherever you go. Because I had to stop reading, and I, I generally read with a big notepad, and I'm writing a sermon out. And some sermons take about 10 hours and, and years to prepare. Well, this sermon took about 10 minutes. And you'll say, when you're listening, yes, it feels like it. <laughs> well, here's the incident. It's about a guy called Amaziah. He was king of Judah. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of history. Now, please don't switch off. I haven't come here for history lesson. I hated history when I was in school. Listen, just hear the context. Amaziah was king of Judah. Judah was the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was called Israel. Sometimes it's referred to Ephraim. Sometimes it's referred to Jacob. Now, they were never two kingdoms to begin with. They were one kingdom. And the first king was a man called Saul. He just didn't play it the right way. So there came the second king. And his name was David. Now, some of you will know this, some of you won't. It, you don't have brownie, brownie points for knowing or not knowing. I just want to give you the context. And um, then, when David, who was an adulterer and a murderer, and yet when he dies, he's, he's called, um, God said he's a man after my own heart. That is because of the grace of God. He's a saved sinner. Now, when he dies, he passes the kingdom onto Solomon. Now, under Solomon, the kingdom just grew in influence. In fact, they gobbled up some smaller states around them because 
when you read the Old Testament, you're not just reading a man, a man's life. He's part of a context, like you're part of a context. And uh, so there was always like military invasions going east, west, or if you went west, it went into the sea, south, bit north. And uh, there were political intrigues and people in families got assassinated and bumped off. I mean, it's just like we were used to. And what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, it's just like an, an expression of that. And, and North Korea and South Korea, they were, they, were, they were one country at one time, but they split up after the Second World War and so on. And because we are part of the evolving history of God, not just man's history, but God's history. You know, this, this fantastic thread that goes down, or if you let, let me use another expression, you're like God is rolling out a red carpet of history, and we're all walking on it. Well, I'm, I'm on this little bit of carpet at the moment, uh, where this guy Amaziah, he is king of Judah. Now, he thinks one day he's really naffed off with a smaller nation to the southeast, a nation called Edom. Now, Edom used to be part of the total kingdom. But what happens when a kingdom divides, it loses power and influence. Now, again, this is exactly what happened in Europe, the Second World War. Europe, it happened around the world with the British Empire. When there was power blocks breaking up and the Second World War came and so on, you know, the British, the English, can Welsh, the English lost their empire. It's only the English, or people who just gobble up other nations, Welsh, and, and the Scots and the Irish were smaller nations. We are gobbled up. You're not Welsh or Irish, are you? No, 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 don't worry. Okay, I saw them smiling. Anyway, so he's, he's left off with Edom because they once governed Edom. So Amaziah thinks, I'm going to pick this nation off. So he calls in his army commanders. And he said, I'm going to pick the nation off. I want you to come back and tell me, train military personnel people who will become military personnel and tell me how many military personnel we've got that we can sort them out. Eventually they come back. Don't read it as if it happened in five minutes. It would have taken time. So they come back and the, the top brass say 300,000 people who were trained in the spear and the javelin, not, not sort of rifles and all that and artillery, uh, mechanized infantry, nothing about that. 300,000. So Amaziah thinks, not enough. So he says, I'm going to hire 100,000 from the north. Because although the north and south had split up, they were in fairly good relationships. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes they fought each other. But at this phase, where Amaziah was the king, he thinks, I'll get help from the north. Fine. I'm reading this. I'm thinking, this is interesting. So they move the people from the north filtered down to the south and they move their military to the borders. Like Russia is moving, has moved military to the borders of Ukraine, eastern Ukraine. I'm not making any comment on who's right or wrong in that situation. I'm just trying to contextualize it. So they're massing on the borders when a man appears on the scene. He is called a man of God. Now, whenever you see in the Bible, in the Old Testament, man of God, think prophet. Now, let me remind you, Israel and Judah had a three-tier leadership. First of all, was the king. 
and like he made all the decisions. And it is he who made the decision. We're going to go to war with Edom. So he, he's over the army. The next part of leadership was a priest. And he worked out, made sure that the, the nation was religious and fulfilled all the um, sacrificial system and so on. And the third guy was a prophet. Now, this third guy, this third guy, he was also a leader, but he had a specialist task because he brought the now word. You know, he was the guy who would come in and say, well, this is what he did. I imagine he did this. Use imagination. The king is, is saying, yes, excellent. Oh, by the way, by the way, because this is an interesting part of the story, instructive part of the story. The king paid 100 talents of silver for the 100,000 men from the north. Paid the money, got the, got the men. When suddenly this bloke comes on the scene, don't do it! Now I tell you, kings didn't like that. They think, who is he? Off with his head. That's right. So he's going, don't do it! And if you do do it, you are going to lose the battle. God will not be with you because God is not with Israel. Simple as that. So don't do it. And the king looked at him and said, but what about my hundred talents of silver that I've paid the north? Do you know the story? And I'm reading this and I'm thinking, this is interesting. When I'm going back now to September the 9th and I'm reading this at home. When God got hold of me and said, you live. The king said, what about my hundred talents of silver? My hundred talents of silver, and God said to me, And you live in a what about generation, and you are a what about man. Can you see the drift of it? He's he's paid, by the way, it wasn't the king's money, it was the people's money. He had picked it up in taxes. And God said, You live in a what about generation. And I began to see it, you know, because I led a church, and I remember it at the time. I led a church where we, where we had millions spent on buildings and millions <laughs> in the end, giving it away and all that. And people say, oh, you been another gift day, but what about? And we say that. You know, you, this man announces very laid back really I'd, I'd step it up I'd put the fire under it he laid he announced it. we're going to have an offering and, he, and, and there's something in our heart say yeah but Mr. Cornford what about my life what about my insurance bills I've got to pay what about my school fees or my college fees fees and and I heard God say to me, you live in a what about generation? Yeah, well, you know, do you know Mr. Cornford when he took money? What, do you know my family? What about my family? Do you know about my, my debts? What about my debts? What about my kids? My kids' feet are growing all the time. And I buy shoes this week, and I'm going to buy new, more shoes next week. Are you with me? And what about... Don't you realize, Mr. Cornford, what about my parents? They're getting elderly. And I thought they might support me. I'm ending up supporting them. 
We live in a what about generation. What about the government? They'll never understand me. Well, they're never going to. God will understand you. And I'm sitting there and God is saying to me, you are living in, a, in the middle of a what about generation. Yes. What about, and it's not only money. What about what people have said to me? God? I could write a book of what people have said to me in 43 years, a leader that I wish I had. And then I could have published it, but I would have to be dead before it was published. <laughs> I'd like to name people. Yes, and what about? And then God said to me, you're a what about man. And I wanted to say, I'm not. But I couldn't get the words out because I was. And all the money I was given away and double tithing by the grace of God. It's not a, it's not a boast. It's the, it's the grace of God because God has shown me about giving money away. When I was a kid, about 17, when I first heard a sermon about tithing, and I went and I was working in the solicitor's office and earning three pounds a week. This is way back in 1950-something, seven. And I started tithing and it went on and on and on. But my, there were parts of my life where I was saying, yeah, but God, what about? And in a mixed church, you always have people who earn a lot and people who earn less. What about them, God? And then a month later, I've got 11 grandchildren from three married children. I have a wife, of course. That in different order. And... Um, <clears throat> And it was my eldest, our eldest grandson. When my wife talks, it's my eldest grandson. I said, what about her, God? Anyway. (laughs) Hey, by the way, by the way, that's another one. What about my marriage, God? I'm earning all the money and he's spending all the money. It's true. I heard a woman say to me very recently, even with our income, we still have Sky Sports. You can guess who that is, can't you? Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Anyway, my grandson, 18th birthday. They live in Cheltenham. I'm told by my wife, we're all going down for a party. Now, I'm thinking as a male, what the devil are we going down for a party to Cheltenham for my grandson's age? Just give him a bit of money and say, God bless you and enjoy life. It's cheaper. <laughs> But when I'm telling my wife that she said, it's all all right, she said, we're all using our Tesco's coupons, turning them into something where you can go to a designated uh, restaurant and have your food for nothing. You know about this scheme? I hear this, I think, there's nothing for nothing in this life. But anyway, we go down, and I'm told on the way down, with the three families, the three kids, we got 400 pounds worth of money for food. Now, I'm really, at this point, I'm forgetting about what about until I get there. And I'm told the drinks are not, you've got to pay for the drinks separately. Some of you have been into this giggle, well, like this way. Well, we get there, and uh, I have a son-in-law who's really, some of you know him, Howard. He said, oh, what can I have the drinks? I'm thinking, you're not going to pay for it, Howard. I'm going to end up paying for this. I can tell it by his face. And um, anyway, 
cut the long story short, we have about 380 pounds of the food, and somebody else pockets the, the leftovers. I think they're mine. And uh, <laughs> I'm thinking like this, and I proudly say, or generously, I'll pay for the drinks. The bill comes. The drinks is something like 60 pounds. I'm groaning. And uh, I pay them, and I give a tip. And I said, are we going to give the waitress a tip? I could tell by my two, son, my two sons-in-law and my son, they're not going to. Uh, so I thought, I'll do it. And then I shamed one of them to throw a, a fiver. <laughs> so, and it wasn't Howard either. And uh, so anyway, this is, tell me, are you relating to this? Or, or do you think, no, I don't go through this at all? Just is one person relating to this? You are? So it's all paid, and I'm going back home. It's wet, it's dark. My wife is sitting in the front with my German daughter-in-law. And I'm curled up in the back because the rest are staying, and I have to, we have to get back. And I can't drive in the dark because my eyesight and all that jazz. And, uh, and I'm curled up, and I think I'll go to sleep because I thought if my German daughter-in-law decides to drive on the wrong side of the road, it'll be bad news. So... <laughs> But I can't sleep because I'm doing my sums. 60 pounds for the, for the drinks, the, the, um, the tip. Oh, yes, must be 50 pounds for the petrol up and back on the wheel and tear the tires. <laughs> and God said to me, you're a what about man? What I was really saying is, it's a nice night we've had out, but what about the cost? You women say, I'm glad I'm not married to you. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not married to you. <laughs> but listen, and you know, that was repeated last Christmas. Cause I've got a daughter in the Catholic Church, and she came up with the bright day, Christmas Eve, because we went there for Christmas. Dad, we're all going out on coupons, and I'm thinking, yes. And I, again, end up paying for the drinks, giving the tip. And I'm thinking, Ben, you are a mug. You're a sucker. You fall for this. And the Spirit says to me, no, it's not that. You are still a what about man? What about the cost? And you can, you can be a what about person about cost. You can be a what about person about how much time you put into life. I've heard people come to me, yeah, well, I, I, I do this for work, but, you know, what about the other people who come in late and the boss never seems to grumble? I've heard this in church life. I've heard people say, that's the last time I'm doing any washing up when we have a do that involves food because that woman over there, I've never seen her get into the church kitchen. What about her? Because that's what, that's what women are saying. What about her? And I've, I've men in the church who've, who've swept the car and saying, well, you know, it's about time that other people did it. What they're saying is, look at all the time I've put in. What about them? We're like that. When I say, do you, do you relate to me? If you say no, I just think you're a big fibber. Because it's in us. Isn't it in us? And, and this guy, who's the king? I mean, he's got plenty of money. He can go, higher the taxes. He's in clover. And he's groveling to this, this man of God, this prophet with a, a now word. He says, what about my hundred talents instead of that I give up the north? God doesn't want you to be what about people. God wants you to be generous and free. 
God tells me, like at Christmas time, tip the bin money, the bin lot of guys. I, it's lovely, because they, they, they don't obviously get the tips. And then I, I go down to the tip in Bracknell, and I stand there when I've finished tipping on the build-up to Christmas, and I'm giving guys money, and uh, they don't even thank you because, you know, I think, but that's life. You know, just be generous. What are you struggling with on the what about issue? What about what I've done for my parents and my, you know, my sister ought to move near and look after them? Although you look pretty young for that, some of you. I think you thought it was almost like a youth club when I first came here this morning. <laughs> One or two exceptions like Pastor Pete and a few others. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but what about, what about my elderly parents? Who's going to pay for them? What about? What about my kids who never made it? Hey, this is a big one. What about when you hear that there are certain people in life, they always inherit in money. Have you met those people? Well, when I was born, it didn't take me long to realize there would be little inheritance coming my way. But you live in a world where, well, it depends on part of the world you live in, what part of the UK you live. You meet some people... And they, you think, their parents are always helping them, and they're always in, having inheritance. You think, God, I'd be generous, but what about that? And marriage, dear me, I've heard so many women say, what about my husband? He's absolutely useless. I want to say, well, why do you marry him in the first place? But it's, it's not as straightforward as that. You know it's not as straightforward as that. We know it. And men say, what about my wife? I could do much more in church, but my wife didn't want me. I said, don't talk lies. But, that, but, but it's the big excuse. What about? I was absolutely challenged to my boots. Well, I had my slippers on at the time. I was absolutely challenged. I, do you know the story? Well, I'll tell you, the big thing was coming next. The king says to his advisors, hey, let's, his military guys, let's, let's gobble up Edom. It's payback time. They've gone away from us. And then he tells them, we need another 100,000 men, pays 100 talents of silver. And then enter this infuriating man called the prophet. Just don't do it. You're going to lose. Then the king, he, I was going to say he, he doesn't speak as, as he lives, but he does. Cut out to the heart the mouth speaks. And he goes, what about my hundred dollars of silver? It's peanuts to a king. But when you think it's about you, you become really big in your own eyes. And then the prophet, and I don't know what he said, how he said it. Did he, did he say, thus saith the Lord? Or did he say, I think God's saying this. I don't know how he said it, but I'll tell you what he said. He said, God, the Lord, can give you much more than that. Doesn't that excite you? 
and when. That did something to me. The Lord didn't give you much more than that. Here's this little miserly king who's worried about a hundred talents of silver. And he's going, what about it? And the prophet says, the Lord can give you much more than that. And those of you who are tithing or double tithing or giving your money, I'm telling you, the Lord can give you much more than that. And those of you who are working and, and, and for your parents, with your parents, and maybe people in the family are not lifting a finger, let me tell you, the Lord can give you much more than that. And those of you who are working at work and you think your boss is getting on your back, listen, the Lord can give you much more than that. And those of you who think, well, I've never had much money, but I'm, listen, the Lord can give you much more than that. And I'm speaking prophetically to you this morning. You are meant to be here to hear it. The Lord can give you much more than that. That is God's way. That is God's character. That's in God's heart. That's why he gave Jesus to die for us. Can if you say, like the psalmist once said, my sin is ever before me. God will say, well, I'll give you much more than that. Where sin abounds, grace shall all the more abound. And I would say, don't be bullied by your memory. Because you may have had a memory bullying you this morning as you were worshipping. But I want to tell you this. Where sin abounds, God abounds all the more. And as far as the east is from the west, so God has removed your transgressions from you. And you say, well, you know, my problem is this. It's not that I, I don't want to serve. It's not that I don't want money. I'm devastated by my personal history. I'm devastated by my personal failings. I'm devastated. If people only knew what I'd been to, they wouldn't look up to me anymore. They wouldn't want to talk to me anymore. I'm going to say, the Lord can give you much more than that. It's incredible. It's powerful. It's life-changing. It's hope-building. It's vision-casting. It's propelling us into worship and activity when we bleat with God and say, well, what about the word thunders back? The Lord can give you much more than that. That'll keep you going all the way to glory. It will. It'll keep you going all the way. Whenever I think, well, what, well, what have I done? What have I given? I could write a book on what I feel is people's total Lack of recognition of what I think I've given. I can write a book on, I can write a book on what people have said to me. That is not nice and it's not faith building. And along God comes and says, I can give you much more than that. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Can I think, I just give me one opportunity to meet that guy once more and I'll really tell him what I've lost sleep over for years. I will really stick it in his face. The Lord says, I can do much more than that. Just let me have him. Vengeance is mine. You know, this theme, when the prophet said, hey, the Lord can give you much more than that, he's saying, haven't you heard of reaping and sowing? You sow, you reap. Some of you say, well, I haven't reaped yet. Just hang about. You'll reap in the end. Well, I want it now. Well, you're not going to have it now. Obviously, because you haven't had it yet. God knows what he's doing. The Lord can give you much more than that. It's amazing. All the money I've given away, all the money I've spent, all the money I've put on my kids, and they've wasted it, and... 
the Lord can give you much more than that. And you're facing it every day of your lives. The challenge you're facing every day of your lives, and so am I, and it's never going to go away. Number one, because your heart won't let it go away. Number two, because the devil's always at you. Number three, because people are always beating you up one way or another. It's never going to go away, and it's going to happen all the way to glory. You listen to what old people are like. Old people, sadly, are the great moaner and groaners in our generation. It's all right for you when I was a boy. I would have said to them, hey, the Lord will give you much more than that. Now, here's my question to end with. I told Pete this is a short sermon. Here's my question. What has God spoken to you about? Because God has definitely spoken to you about things. Is it money? Have you stopped tithing because you thought, you know, what about? And tithing, by the way, is just a starting blocks for giving. Or is it uh, time you've put in in your family, your home, your marriage? Or is it time at work? Or is it that you're unemployed? And Pete talks about money and talks about this course. He goes, yeah, well, what about the fact that I'm unemployed? The Lord can give you much more than that. But what has God spoken to you about? Was it sin? I mean, un- sin, unconfessed sin or whatever you're thinking. I-, I just plead with you on the issue of sin. Just believe this. The Lord has already given you much more than what your sin deserves. Because only last week we were rejoicing in the fact, and the Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, I delivered you of first importance, 1 Corinthians 15, that Jesus died for your sins. What more can he do than that? It'll deliver you, it'll cleanse you, it'll heal you, it'll enable you, it will ennoble you, it will radicalize you. By the way, radicalization isn't about, hey, I never wear ties anymore, you men, or, you know, we, we, come to, we come to church, it's, you know, as if we're dressed in our gardening clothes. That's not being radical. That might be just being stupid. <laughs> Listen, when I say God will radicalize you, radicalization is something that goes on in our spirit and in our hearts and in our deepest being. And we recognize the Lord can give you much more. Listen, which of these things, as I've mentioned, you think, feel I must change on this one. Or you might say, I wish you'd mention one other thing to make sure it's covered by God. Listen, it is covered by God. I've been in meetings when I've heard preach, and they just, just mention that. Listen, it's mentioned in the Bible. If you feel you've been spoken to by God, if you feel that you're willing to respond. Please stand. Where you're seated in your row. Where, where, can other musicians? Who's the pianist? Who is he? Thank you. You're brilliant. Here's the call. If you feel, if you sense, or I mean feel, if you sense in your spirit, God has spoken to me, and I'm a what about man or a what about woman, and it's just self-centeredness and it's nonsense. 
I want God to deliver me. Please stand. Right now. And if you're sitting because it's not that God hadn't spoken to you, you just are too proud to stand. God will deliver you from that as well. Please stand. I find leaders sometimes don't stand because they think, I should be there. If you're not there, you're not there. I'm, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to say the words. God's going to do the blessing. See, it was a great... You can play something, can't you? When he's ready. See, when, when the prophet says, God, the Lord can give you much more than that, there was already an open heaven over this guy. If you want to know, by the way, what happened, read 2 Chronicles chapter 25, because that's where it is. But don't look at it just yet. I want to say to you folks, this group here, just look at me. The Lord bless you. The Lord deliver you every time you're tempted to have and operate within the context of a what about me. The Lord bless you with ongoing deliverance. The Lord bless you with forgiveness now. Not only a theological certainty. I know the Bible says if I confess my sins, he will forgive me. But with a relational certainty. The Lord bless you with a witness now in your spirit that God has moved in on your life. You are never going to be the same again. I'm only talking this group for a minute. You are never going to be the same again. I can tell you that now in Jesus' name. As you have spoken and re related and reacted to God, He is creating in you a different spirit. You be blessed with it. And those of you here, whether you're standing or sitting, the message is the same to you. Be blessed with a, a ditching of a what about spirit, a ditching of a what about attitude. The Lord bless you with a ditching and a throwaway of a what about mentality. The Lord give you liberty in money. The Lord give you liberty in relationships. The Lord bless you with a willingness to serve and not look to others. The Lord bless you with freedom. The Lord bless you with joy in the Holy Spirit. The Lord bless you with it. Receive it now in Jesus' name. Don't think it'll happen when I wake up in the morning. It is now. Now is the accepted time. Now is the hour of salvation. Now is the hour of blessing. Now is the hour when my life is being, or the moment when my life is being radically altered. I bless you in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's liberty in the name of Jesus. There's holiness in the name of Jesus. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. Oh yes, there's glory in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be blessed. Oh yes. There's joy in Jesus' name. And I want to say to you folks, just be blessed. I'm not the blesser, I'm the speaker. God's the blesser. Be blessed. Be blessed. Thank God that 
something, me, somebody, has put a finger on an attitude in you. What I'm learning in life all the time, it's wonderful when God demonstrates his love to us that he makes us uncomfortable. It's wonderful. It just tells us how much God loves us. You know, if God didn't love us, he'd say, oh, let them go on in their own stupid way and let them pay the price for it. But he's Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. We can't let them go on that. We must speak to them. They mustn't any longer be what about people in a what about generation. So now, now is our moment of a radicalization in attitude. Listen, and it's not only attitude to people or attitude to yourself. The primary problem is attitude to God. Okay, what we really say is, hey God, if I do all that, I don't feel you'll see me all right. God will see you all right. Because God's like that. I think that's all I'm going to say to you, other than thank you.